Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in with us again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Cue the band. Start the orchestra. This is a celebration. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. But here we are all alone. What a strange Easter this is. Typically, I love coming together and celebrating all of us in the same room, singing all of our favorite songs and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is the biggest day on our calendar, and it's where people get dressed up. They wear big hats. There's a big production. And this year, no. It's not that way. There's no crowd. There's no big hats. There's no music, no live music. I feel a little disappointed. However, I think the way this Easter is, for us, resembles the very first Easter more. The very first Easter was was private, done in secret. There were no angels appearing in the sky singing glory to God. There's no big crowd. There's no parade. Jesus didn't rise and go into Jerusalem and say, hey, look, here I am. I am alive. It was very low-key. And as I've pondered this this week, I started wondering, why is that? The resurrection means so much. So why was it all done in secret? Why was it so quiet? Why did he only appear to just a few of his followers? He died in public for all to see. Rise in public for all to see. The resurrection means so much. So why was it done in secret? This is what I want to talk about today. And in order to do that, I'm going to be in two places in Scripture. First, it'll be in John chapter 20, and then it'll be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, this is the day that you have made, and we do rejoice and are glad in it. We celebrate your risen life, Lord. And and we want to understand more fully of what all it means for us. Father, open our eyes so that we can understand what the risen life means and to know our role in this risen life. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So you think about the first Easter, Sunday morning. That had been a long weekend for those who were with Jesus. They were with him on Thursday celebrating the Passover, and then he was betrayed, and he was crucified. Friday, all his followers who watched him die were replaying the scene in their minds, I'm sure, all weekend, all day Saturday, just weeping, full of sorrow. So Sunday started out depressing, to say the least, disappointing, things weren't the way everyone thought they would be going. It says in John that uh, after Jesus died on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus wrapped Jesus in the traditional burial linens, and they placed him in a tomb located in a garden that was nearby where he was crucified. 
Join with me in John chapter 20. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived, and he went into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one on the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize or realize that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary... She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and, your father, and to your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The story goes on, and later that evening, on that same day, when the disciples when the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Dynamis, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side... I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. 
And then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It amazes me how humble, how intimate, and how secret Jesus' resurrection was. Because so much hinges on the resurrection. It's so important. And the more you look at the resurrection in Scripture, the more you realize how critical it was that it happened. Our salvation depends on the resurrection. It's in connection with the resurrection. It says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This only serves to fuel my question even more. If it's so important, why downplay it? Why do it in secret? So today I wanted to look at how important the resurrection is and then try to answer the question. Because without resurrection, the story of Jesus is just a tragic story. He's a good man who died at too young of an age. He was in his prime. Without resurrection, Jesus is simply just a good teacher or maybe a prophet. He was one who led people to doing good. He called everybody to love, right? Without the resurrection, Peter and James and John, they go back to fishing. Matthew goes back to taxes. Simon the zealot goes back to fighting politics. Maybe at best they'll have a few reunions, but that's it. Without the resurrection, Jesus' words don't have the same authority. We get to pick and choose from his sayings, just like we do with Socrates, Confucius, and Gandhi. Without resurrection, Paul says, we among all people are to be pitied most. However, with resurrection, I must believe Jesus' extravagant claims about himself. He claims to be God in the flesh. And I can no longer just pick and choose what sayings of his I like. His words have authority. His sayings are above me. I must believe him. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. I must believe that. With the resurrection, Jesus' death means something. Our sins are taken care of now because of the resurrection, because of his sacrificial death and his resurrection. Jesus took the wrath of God we deserved. Jesus gave us right standing before God. Jesus earned our salvation for us who believe. We did the crime. Jesus took the punishment of our crime. And God declares us innocent. It says that the wages of sin is death. Jesus died the death that we deserved. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is risen. And for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast And in order for us to receive this gift of salvation, Jesus must be our Lord, and we must believe that he is alive. Because of resurrection, we now have hope. 
But now we have hope because of Jesus' risen life. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 about our, the resurrection life, about our hope. He says in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3, Praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible joy and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Because of the resurrection, we have a hope, and it's no ordinary hope. It does not die. We have a living hope, and it is an assurance It's not just wishful thinking. No matter what is happening now, we know things are going to be okay. We have this hope of heaven, of being with God in glory. And it'll be a time where things are as they were meant to be. It says in verse 4 that we have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. And it's kept in heaven for us. This is no ordinary inheritance. It will never perish or spoil or fade. It's not going anywhere, and it's better than a stimulus check. When we hear Jesus say to us, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That is our hope. That is what we are waiting for. That is what we are longing for, and it's because of the resurrection. It says in verse 5 that through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. Because of the resurrection, God's power shields us. It says in Romans that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. It lives in his church. We are his church. His power is in us, protecting us. And we know that there is a coming salvation when Jesus will be revealed. Resurrection means Christ is returning, where evil will be held accountable. All evil will be wiped out. All sicknesses, all viruses will be gone. There will be no more sorrow. It will be gone. Justice will be served. The poor will be lifted up. And because of this, We can go through trials. Listen to what Peter says in verses 6 and 7. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, these have come so that your faith, which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine 
and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. This means that all the things that are happening in our life mean something now. Because of Christ in our life, because of his resurrection, everything in our life has meaning. Everything in our life has purpose. It's useful to God. Life's hardships, life's sufferings actually deepen our faith. It helps us trust God more and more. In some strange way, our sufferings are a gift from God burning away all our false hopes and distractions. And it keeps us focused on our true home and our true hope. Resurrection means all of this and and so much, much more. When, When I try to talk about Easter, it is one of the biggest subjects that I can possibly discuss. There is no way to cover all the bases of Easter because it is so vast. To try to talk about Easter is a little bit like trying to describe a sunrise or a sunset. My best words don't seem sufficient. They fail to fully capture the glory and awe of it. Easter, resurrection, is the culmination of things. It's the fulfillment of of all the Old Testament. And the only way I can fully get you to appreciate a sunrise or a sunset is to get you to see it for yourself so that you can fully appreciate it and begin to explore it for yourself. And so it is with Easter. You must see it for yourself to fully appreciate it. And I think, even though Easter means so much, the resurrection means so much, The reason why God downplayed it a little, the reason why he did it so privately is so that we would come and see for ourselves if it's true. There are probably many reasons why God did things the way he did. But I think one of the reasons is that everyone who hears about Jesus, hears about his resurrection, They would have to go further to investigate for themselves. They would have to come and see for themselves if the tomb is indeed empty. And if they do, and if they see that it is true, then they get to experience what Peter describes here in verse 8. He says, though you don't see him with your naked eye, you love him. And though you don't see him now, You believe in him, you trust him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. For those who are listening, for those who are watching, if you do not have joy, like is described here, come and see for yourself if Jesus is alive. See for yourself if it is really true. If the weight of sin burdens you down, come and see if his forgiveness is truly sufficient, if his sacrifice is truly for you. 
I think another reason why Jesus rose in secret was to give us, his believers, his followers, the job of, of sharing the news with others. That's who, that was his design. He wanted us to now go and communicate the message of salvation to others. He gave us the job of telling people. If you love Jesus, if you believe in him, everything is supposed to change. Everything changes. It says in 2 Corinthians, if if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. He has given us the job to now go and share the news. Like he said his, to his disciples that evening that he rose, he says, as God has sent me, now I am sending you. In my research this week about the resurrection, I have heard it said that killing Jesus was like trying to destroy a dandelion seed head by blowing on it. All it did was scatter it more around. Jesus himself said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you see someone lost in sin, if you see someone without hope, in despair, show them Jesus. Invite them to come and see for themselves if Jesus is truly alive. In so doing, we might have more brothers and sisters in Christ so that they will have this inexpressible and glorious joy. Easter is a celebration. And though we cannot be here together to sing, to see each other all dressed up, to celebrate, we still celebrate the risen life of Jesus. He is risen in us. We have a future hope with him in heaven, with each other. If you want to do more study on what the resurrection life is, there's a really good chapter to read. 1 Corinthians 15 shares all about this resurrection. It talks about our resurrection. If you have a tired body, if you just are looking forward to being in heaven just for the sake of a new body, Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are risen. You are risen indeed. Lord, we want to come and see for ourselves that you are alive and that you are well. And we also want to participate in the mission that you have for us, that we would go forth and share the good news with others that need to hear it. We thank you that you have given us hope. We thank you that our trials mean something. 
Thank you for deepening our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I leave you with this benediction from Matthew 28. It says, he is not dead, he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Go be the church. Ready, set, break. Break.